are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. King Nebuchadnezzar, who is a king in the Bible, you can find him in Daniel. He is a king over uh, a great area of land that includes the people of God who had been taken into captivity. And this king, King Nebuchadnezzar, is a Gentile king, but he is ruling over God's people. The Bible describes this king in Daniel, and he has several dreams, and One of the dreams, the second dream, in fact, he has, and I want to read it for you today, Daniel chapter 4. I hope you have your Bibles this morning, or open your Bible app, if you can stay off Facebook and Twitter and that, if you can open your phone, it's a dangerous thing. But Daniel chapter 4, verse 13 says, I saw in the visions, and so this is King Nebuchadnezzar speaking to Daniel. He said, I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth, bound, bound with a band of iron and bronze and the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beast on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given to the heart of a beast and let seven times pass over him. The decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the most holy rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will and sets over it the lowest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, who is also known as Daniel, You declare its interpretation, since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy God is in you. Kind of a bizarre passage. Not going to unpack that whole package. This morning I want to take my thought from Daniel chapter 4, verse 15 said, nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth. And I want to speak on this subject this morning, the stump that didn't die. The stump that didn't die. This past week, as I mentioned, Jacob Prophet and Alex and I went to, we're in uh, the country of Palau. And uh, Jacob Prophet flew Alex and I over what is called Rock Islands. That's him 
with his hands on the steering wheel of a plane that's high in the sky. We felt completely safe. He had never flown a plane before, but we felt completely at ease. The Rock Islands in Palau, which is a little island out in the Pacific, what I noticed and I mentioned to Alex while we were flying was that there was a, the, the rocks that cover this island, uh, that, that dot this, this area, I should say, are covered with trees, rocks growing out of trees, trees that were dangling over cliffs. But somehow these trees were held in place against gravity, against the elements of wind. These trees remain fixed to these rocks. And here's what I understand with that, is that roots are powerful. Roots are powerful. You ever tried to extract a tree with its roots still intact? It's, it's not fun, pretty horrible experience. Ever seen roots move concrete? Think about that idea. Right out here on Ken Road, if you look at the sidewalks, the trees, the roots of the trees have moved the concrete out there. Think about the material of a tree, the roots, how fragile the weight of a root compared to the weight of concrete. Think about the effort. Has anybody ever dug up concrete? We dug up some concrete over at the Bishop Center. It's, it's pretty difficult. But somehow roots are able to move concrete. A fragile plant moving something a hundred times its weight. Roots are powerful. And roots have an important function in the growth and health of a plant. Roots perform a few key functions that support the life of the plant. You know what they are probably intuitively, but let me remind you of what they are. Number one, they anchor a plant in place. They keep it. As I mentioned in the country of Palau, those trees hanging on those cliffs, it was the roots that were holding those trees in place. Secondly, they store nutrients and they store energy to support the ongoing life of those trees. And finally, they absorb and they deliver nutrients and water that sustains the plant and makes it grow. The roots are literally the conduit for life. All of this is why when you study plants and the growth of plants, that roots grow first. Before a plant ever goes up, it goes down. It's because the plant must anchor itself with its roots. It must prepare itself to store and distribute the nutrients and water that will allow it to be sustained. Without the root, the plant could never grow and it only keeps growing because of its root. Roots are necessary for growth. And what we realize 
that just as roots are necessary for natural growth of a plant, you could probably understand what I'm going to say here. Roots are necessary for spiritual growth. Jeremiah chapter 17 said, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Jesus acknowledged the power of roots and the importance of roots in Mark chapter 4 when he talked about the four different soils. You might be familiar with that, but he talks about four different types, types of soil. Soil that's hardened and soil that uh, is rocky. And so when the seed begins to sprout, it can't take root. And then he talks about the seed that is choked out by the weeds and finally the good ground. But I want to read the application of Mark chapter 4, verse 16, when Jesus makes the application of the stony ground. He said, these likewise are the ones sown on the stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when Tribulation or persecution arises for word, the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Without the roots, we have no capacity to survive this world. If we have no spiritual depth, no spiritual roots, we have no ability to survive what this world is bringing at us. And so there's a power to roots. Now, again, I'm not an expert in this, but in horticulture, there is a technique called grafting. And this technique allows for a piece of a tree, whether a branch or a root, to be connected to another root or connected to a branch. And it allows, if they are brought together and held together, they will grow together. And it, they will merge those two uh, uh, tree uh, branches or roots together and will connect them known as a graft. Now the Bible uses this language to describe our connection to God. And so we, you and I must realize that we are grafted into the body of Christ. We are brought in not by our pedigree, not by our wealth, not because we've done anything good, but because Christ has attached himself to us. Paul would write to the Romans and he said, and if some of the branches were broken off, he's talking about the Jews, and you being a wild olive tree, a Gentile, were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. The root supports you. 
If you accomplish anything in this world for the kingdom of God, it's not because of how great you are or significant you are. It's because you're connected to something that's greater than you. What is growing in us and what should grow in us is sustained by what is outside of us. Our source of strength, our source of hope is what? In Christ the Lord. It's not by our own doing, but we gain strength because we are grafted into the body of Christ, into the work of Christ. That's why Zechariah 4, 6, quizzers would say, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We must realize today that our spiritual genesis and our spiritual sustenance comes from a root that we are now grafted into. This root did not start with us, but this root started long before we ever got here. That's why Isaiah the prophet would say, who has believed our report? And to whom, of the, whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He's talking about Jesus, that he is as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground, he has no form or comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him, that he's going to begin his work with what seems like an insignificant life. There's no form or there's no comeliness that we should desire him. There's no beauty about him. It's going to kind of begin under the surface. He's going to be a root out of dry ground. It would grow out of parched land. It would grow out of a land that was dead, and this root would somehow grow out of dry ground. And how does the root survive? Somehow it found water. And so what we realize is this root provides us, this Christ provides us the opportunity to live with him. Our root, our branches must be connected to him. Jesus Christ is the root out of dry ground. That's why Jesus would say, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. We must abide in him. So how do we abide in him? How do we become grafted in this necessary root? The gospel of Jesus Christ connects us to this root. The Bible tells us that we are to repent of our sins. When I repent of my sins, I begin to be grafted into this root called Jesus 
Christ. When I am baptized in his name, there's a reason that I am baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so that I can be a part of his family. I take on his name in baptism. We don't take on the name of the Calvary Church. We don't take on the name of the person who baptized you. We take on the name of Jesus Christ because it connects us to his work. And so when I'm baptized in his name, I connect to the root Jesus Christ. When I receive his spirit, I connect to the root of Jesus Christ. And what we realize is that we must be rooted in him. Colossians 2 verse 6 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Paul would write to the Ephesians, he would say that Christ may dwell in our hearts, verse 17, through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the width, length, and depth, and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. There's no way to be who you're supposed to be without being connected to Christ. You have to be connected to him. Now when a tree is cut down, if the stump is left, most often it completely dies within three to seven years. It dies because there is no water being pulled through its trunk because there are no leaves to create the process of water flow. And I recently read an article in the Atlantic Magazine with the title, The Stump That Didn't Die. It tells of a carry tree that fell in a New Zealand forest, and no one noticed. Nor did anyone pay attention when the remnant of its trunk rotted away, leaving behind a stump that's barely even a stump, a chair-sized, hollowed-out half-cylinder sticking up from the middle of a hiking trail, leafless and apparently dead. It's pictured on the screen. Doesn't look spectacular at all. Everyone would have walked past it, says Sebastian Luisinger of Auckland University of Technology. When he saw the stump on a walk with a fellow botanist, Martin Batter, his head turned. He saw that even though it had no leaves, it had no stems or greenery of any kind, it did still contain living tissue. And when he knocked on the stump, it sounded different than dead wood. All, appearance, all appearances to the contrary, he said, it's still alive. How can it still be alive? Louisinger and Batter eventually showed that the stump is alive. 
Here's what I want you to understand today. The stump is alive. Because the stump is connected. Hear me now. The stump is connected to one or more of the carry trees around it via its roots. They are hydro, uh, hydraulically coupled. It says the water flowing through the full-sized trees also drives water through the stump, keeping it alive. These trees, they say, even when a stump or a tree is cut down, that the trees can stay connected to one another. And the fungi on the trees can wire adjacent individuals to one another, and they, they work to create pathways for nutrients to flow. The roots themselves can literally, they say, graft directly onto one another, a phenomena that's been documented in over 150 species of trees. Why do they do this? Why do they graft together underground? Researchers have suggested that these natural grafts stabilize the trees, allow them to share resources during times of hardship. And if there's drought or insect epidemic, connected trees are more likely to survive because resources can flow from uninfected individuals to those who are sick. Drought. Epidemic cut down. But how was this stump saved? Because it was grafted. And some of you have been knocked down by life. Winds have blown, storms have ravaged, disease has taken its toll, and you may feel cut down, and you may feel cut off, and you may be cut loose. But here's what I felt the Lord wanting me to help somebody understand today, that while you have faced some rough times, some as the result of the enemy, some as the result of storms in your life, and some as the result of your own mistakes, regardless of the reason for the tree being knocked down, I want you to understand there are still roots that are still there. What you didn't realize is when things went bad, when you walked away from God, when tragedy struck, when the diagnosis came, when the child walked out, when the relationship eroded and you felt cut down, under the surface, you were still connected. Because Jesus is not the God of just exterior circumstances. He's not just the God of things that you can see. But he's a God of the things that you cannot see. Oh, hallelujah. When Jesus died, he proved that he was not just the Savior of what's on the surface, but that he is the Savior of what's hidden and under the surface. That's why he said, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore.
door, amen, and I have the keys to something that's under the surface. I have the keys to death and hell. Hades and death don't have dominion. Because I'm a God under the surface. See, the, the word Hades there, Homer used that word Hades. It's the God of the lower regions. Orcus used the word. It said the netherworld or the realm of the dead. And Jesus would say, I am the one who has the keys to Hades. I have the keys to the underworld. That's why the psalmist would write in 139, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. We get it. We want to go to heaven. But I want to tell somebody today who's in this room and you think you're cut off, you you think you're just a stump uh, living in your past life. Uh, let me tell you, he said, if I make my bed in hell, behold, uh, you are there. When I make my bed in the underworld, you are there. Jesus went under the ground and said, I've got power even under there. That's why Job would tell us, uh, though its root may grow old in the earth and its stump may die in the ground, yet at the scent of water it will bud and bring forth branches like a plant. Uh, I want to prophesy to somebody today. I want to help you understand it ain't over. It isn't over for you. I don't care how dry it looks. I don't care how dead it looks. I don't care what it looks like on the surface. It's not over because there's still a root that's clinging on to a Christ who died for your sins. If you ever repented of your sins, if you were ever baptized in his name and filled with his spirit, can I tell you there's a root hanging on and it's not letting go. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. There are some stories in this room that would scare some of you if you know who you were sitting next to. There are some people in this room who were cut down to nothing. If you know who I'm talking about, say amen. If it's you, say amen. They had nothing. They were nothing. They lost everything, but there was a root. There was a root that was connected to them, and it wasn't letting go. Oh, hallelujah. There's a root. There's a root that's holding on to some of you. You don't even know why you're here today. You don't even know why you're in church. I'm telling you, it's because there's a root that's holding on. Oh, hallelujah. Some of you feel like you've lost your help. Some of you feel dead and dry. You're just a stump. You're just a remnant of what you used to be. But I hear the word of the Lord saying to some of you, like he spoke to that king, he said, nevertheless, leave the stump and the roots in the earth. Nevertheless, leave the stump and the roots in the earth. Oh, why would he say that? Why would he say it? Why did God give that king that prophecy? Daniel chapter 4, verse 26. 
Daniel prophesies, he says, and in as much as they gave the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Said, God is not finished with you, King Nebuchadnezzar, but you're going to be cut down to size. It's not over. But you got to understand that you'll start rising back up when you understand that heaven rules. That you understand that heaven rules. And verse 33 said, that very hour, the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men, ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. He was hopeless. He was cut down to size. He was as worse as you can be. But it says, and at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. Why did he do this? For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom is from generation to generation. I'm trying to tell somebody today, God is still connected to you. I don't care if you don't feel connected to him. Under the surface, God is holding on. He's not letting go. He's reaching. He's saying, if you will open up the flow of his spirit into your life, he said, I will restore you. I will make you whole. I will renew you because God is not done with you. You can stand with me this morning. God is not done with you. If you only knew how much God is reaching for us, if you only knew how much God is reaching for you, you see, to the persecuted church, the writer of Hebrews wrote this. He said, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, he's writing this to a persecuted church. A church who is thinking about going back into the Jewish lifestyle because it would be easier. He said, for he himself has said. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. That scripture has been pounded in my heart for somebody this morning. God is telling you, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. The apostle Paul would tell the church in Corinth, but we have this treasure in earthen vessel. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Forty-two times... I could find 42 times the phrase is mentioned in scripture, his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. 
that root is holding on under the ground, under the surface where nobody can see. It's holding on. Oh, hallelujah. His love is not going to quit reaching. His love is not going to stop. If you're here today and you've never been connected to the root, today's a great day to repent of your sins. To say, I want, I want everything that Jesus Christ has for my life. You have not repented of your sins or been baptized in his name for the forgiveness of sins. Today's a great day to do that. You have never received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that happens with evidence of speaking in other tongues. We've witnessed over the last three or four weeks, numbers and numbers of people have this experience in this room where they surrender their heart to the Lord and the Lord wraps them up and gives them that gift of his spirit and they begin to speak in a language they've never spoken before. And if you've never been connected to the Savior, if you've never been connected to Jesus Christ, today's a great day to be grafted. For those of you who maybe you've experienced the gospel, you've experienced the, the application of his death, burial, and resurrection, but today maybe you feel like life's got the best of you. It's knocked you down. It's cut you off for whatever reason. Maybe the enemy just was able to win. Maybe life just took its toll on your life. Or maybe you've done something where you set yourself up and you're reaping consequences. I'm telling you today that the word tells me that we can be grafted into him and that he's not letting us go. I, I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but as confident as I've ever been about what the Lord gave me, I feel confident today to tell you that he will not forsake you. He has not forsaken you. He has not forsaken you. And so today, before I give the altar appeal for you to come, if you want to repent of your sins, if you want to be baptized, receive his spirit, I want you to come. But if you're here today and you need a hint of water, you need water to flow through your dry and parched land, we're going to pray with you today because I believe the spirit can bring life where it seems lifeless. I absolutely today believe that the Lord can bring life to some of your callings, some of your dreams, some of your hopes. I believe that today. Before I invite you to come, I want to pray with you. Lord God, we come to you today. God, I thank you for your word that brings assurance to us that you love us with an endless love. You care about every situation in our life, every detail of our life. Lord, there are those under the sound of my voice today who have yet to experience the wonder of salvation. They've yet to experience the wonder of what it means to be fully grafted into the body of Christ. Lord, and I'm praying today you would give somebody courage to repent of their sins, to be water baptized and receive your spirit today. Give them courage. God, it's such a simple, simple invite, but it's a powerful one where we connect to the risen Savior. We connect to the one who has washed us clean with his blood. Lord, we can do nothing without you. We can be nothing without you. Lord, and I'm praying today 
for those who have walked in this room that feel dead, that feel dry, they feel cut off. Lord, I'm praying today that your mercy would grab a hold of them like never before. God, that you want to grow something out of what looks dead, that looks like it's broken, looks, Lord, like it could never be restored, but today you're promising that it's not over for them. Lord, I'm praying, give them the courage to come today with their hands lifted to say, God, I surrender one more time to your hand, to your spirit, to your river today. God, let water flow. Let water flow today in dry places in the name of Jesus. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.